my name's Rachel and I'm here today with my husband Tim. Hello. Uh, we usually go to the 6.30 service at All Saints Woodford Wells and we live in Lambton. Today we want to invite you to join us in delving into the book of Acts, which was written by historian and um, Dr Luke, who you may know as the author of the book of Luke in the New Testament. Now in Acts, Luke is writing to a Roman called Theophilus giving him an account of the birth of the church, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and the work of the Spirit of God through the church in a mission to make disciples of all nations. Now we're going to be specifically looking at Acts 2, verses 1 to 12, which talks about the Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now Pentecost was a Jewish festival um, celebrating the first fruits of the harvest and thanking God for his provision and all of the blessings that we have in our lives. But this account of Pentecost was like no other Pentecost that had ever happened before. It was an, the start of a whole new historic movement and an experience of God and his power in a way that the followers of Jesus had never experienced before. A power which is still available and alive in the church today. And we're going to be exploring why was this event this Pentecost important then and why is it important for us now? So let me just read Acts 2 verses 1 to 12 and then we'll get started. So, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pygria and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, Nicraean, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Now some of the questions that the people there on that day were asking are some of the questions that we're going to be exploring. And I'm going to ask Tim to explain to us, just as they were asking, um, what does it mean and how is it possible that each of us hears them in our native language? So Tim, over to you. Thanks Rachel. So I don't know if you knew this, but I only found out this week when I was researching it, that there are over 6,500 spoken languages in the world today. Wow. 
it won't be a surprise to many of you to know that at least 6,499 of those are a total mystery to me, my native language being football, obviously. <laughs> a few years ago, in my first job, there was a Croatian document I needed to understand. Obviously, I don't speak Croatian, and typing it all out again to Google Translate felt like a bit too much hard work. But I realised that I, that I worked at the time just around the corner from the Croatian embassy in London. So I printed it off, walked around, knocked on the door, got let in by a very scary security guard, answered quite a few questions about who on earth I was and what on earth I wanted, before a somewhat baffled looking diplomat very kindly told me the gist of the document that I was waving. I returned to the office triumphant, much to my colleagues' amusement. You see, the question asked by those witnesses on the first Pentecost is a very good one. How can we hear in our own languages? They're right to be surprised that the problem of language barriers had been overcome by a band of travelling people from Galilee, which was a bit of a cultural backwater at the time. And you know, the problem of language barriers actually goes way back before. We read in Genesis chapter 11 about a place called Babel. The people of Babel said to each other, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, that we may make a name for ourselves. And we read on that this pride, this desire to make a name for themselves, led to God's judgment and ultimately a separation from them and God and between each other. I think this rings true with our own experience, you know. I know that when I've been particularly selfish or wanting to make a name for myself, it can cause barriers with other people, that kind of disunity. Rachel has recently been listening to a lot of Jane Austen on Audible in lockdown, and I've been hearing about the daily ins and outs on our, on our daily exercise. And it very much feels to me that lots of the drama between the characters in those books is caused because of selfishness and or miscommunication. Mm. You see, the disunity of language is a sign of our sin. It's the result of our sin. And this separation, as I said, is not just between each other, but it's between us and God. And that's a barrier that we cannot overcome. Now, it is possible to learn another language. In fact, a clever person could probably learn quite a few other languages. But even if the cleverest person alive learned 6,500 languages, we would still be left with problems of miscommunication and pride and selfishness. So when they ask, how then can we hear in our own native languages? The answer is that it's a miraculous sign. It is something miraculous, something more than humanity can normally do. In verse 11 of what we just read, the witnesses say, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Not the wonders of humanity, not the wonders of Google Translate, or any other translation app you happen to have, others are available. It's not the wonders of humanity, it's the wonders of God. So just as the people are asking, what does this mean? So I'm sure it means an awful lot. I just want to draw out three things for us today. Reconciliation with God, redemption of Babel, and a revelation for all. So firstly, reconciliation with God. In love, Jesus reconciled us with God. At the cross, he took on our sins, even though he didn't deserve it. And he took our shame, even though he didn't deserve it. And he took that for us so that we don't need to. The ultimate division was crossed at the cross. It is as if, instead of going to the embassy one by one for a particular translation, Croatian today, 
French tomorrow, the ambassador himself came out to each of us in turn and gave us a huge gift that we don't deserve and overcame the power of sin. This reconciliation means we can live with God. His spirit, that heavenly gift, lives with us. There's no more distancing between us and our maker. The miraculous overcoming of language barriers was a sign of the miraculous overcoming of sin and the miraculous gift of the spirit. Second, redemption. Babel is redeemed through the gift of the spirit. Not just reversed, something better and far more beautiful is built from its ashes. We read in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we are all living stones. And what are we living stones in? We're living stones in a new spiritual house, a temple of the spirit. We don't need to build to the heavens. The heavens dwell with us, within us. And the gift of the spirit led to radical unity, undoing the effects of Babel. You see, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate unifier, the third person of the unity of God. The mystery of the Trinity teaches us that, the, that unity, true unity, is also diverse. The miracle on Pentecost wasn't that everyone in Jerusalem suddenly spoke the language of the Galileans, Aramaic. It was that those Galileans could speak the language of everyone around them and used it in worship. This diversity is a bit like when we sing in church. We use harmonies. I mean, okay, fine. I don't use harmonies. I sing two octaves below the worship leader in something of a Gregorian chant. But Rachel, you use harmonies. And it's beautiful hearing the whole church sing the same song through different voices and harmonies. That unity and diversity. We are all different parts of the same body. We're all different players of the same football team. We are not uniform, but we are unified, working towards the same goal, worshipping God. And all 120 of that first church, all of them received the Spirit. You see, there's no with and without the Spirit within the church. If you're a believer, you have the Spirit indwelling in you. And as one body, we all have the privilege of speaking with God. The Holy Spirit redeems Babel through divine communication. We read in Romans chapter 8 that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Spirit enables our direct communication with our Good Father. We are a redeemed people operating in radical unity and divine communication, all in the power of the Spirit. And thirdly, revelation. This gift of the Spirit led to an explosion of evangelism. The revelation of God's gift to all, regardless of wealth, race, social status, background, what football team you support, what colour of socks you wear, etc, etc, etc. The Holy Spirit is offered to all. And the fire of the Spirit on Pentecost was the spark that led to the exponential growth of the church over the following millennia. So what does it mean? We are offered reconciliation with God. The church is a redeemed people living in the Spirit's power. And this revelation is for all. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. That was really interesting. So we've looked into how is this possible that they were able to um, hear the Galileans speaking in their own in their own languages, and what does this mean for both the people then and for the church as a whole? But what what are we to take away from it today, and what are we supposed to do as believers now? 
Some of the people who were there that day and listened to Peter preach afterwards asked a very similar question as we read in verses 37 to 39, which I'm just going to read to you now. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now the message that P Peter gave to those people gave some really clear guidance and what he said to them can definitely apply to us today. Repent, turn to God, be baptised and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like as Tim said, as a result of the Holy Spirit coming, many people turned to God and believed in him. And if you want to get to know God and know his spirit for the first time, then this is your opportunity to accept the gift of the Holy Spirit into your life. You can have a personal relationship with Jesus and be reconciled to God through turning to God and repenting, which means to say sorry to God for all the things that you've done in your life that are not of him. And by believing in his son Jesus, which is expressed through the act of baptism and by being filled with the Holy Spirit. In being filled with the Holy Spirit, you can then be transformed. Your life can be transformed and the Holy Spirit can bring a revelation of God to you, which will help you to understand God more and better understand what he's trying to say to you. Now, if that's you this morning and you really want to know more about God, you want to know more of his presence, you want to experience his, the power of his spirit for the first time, you want to invite Jesus to come into your life for the first time, then I want to encourage you to join me in this prayer that I'm going to pray now. So I'm just going to um, pray and ask and pray for, um, and you can join me, I'm going to be praying um, to ask Jesus and the Holy Spirit to come and live in our lives and to say sorry to God for all of the things that we've ever done that we know are against him. So let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking all of my sin, all the wrong things I've ever done and placing them upon yourself and saving me from my sin. Lord, I'm sorry for all the things that I've done in my life which are in rebellion against you. Please forgive me. Holy Spirit, please come into my life and transform me so that I will be more like Jesus. Thank you that your forgiveness means that I can have a personal and loving relationship with God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can understand you more and walk closely with you. In Jesus' name, Amen. 
Now, if you join me this morning in that prayer and you ask God to come into your life and receive the Holy Spirit for the first time, then I want to encourage you to maybe phone up a Christian friend and ask them to pray with you. Or you could get in contact with us at the church and you can find the contact details for the church on the church website. But the gift of the Holy Spirit isn't just for those coming to know Jesus for the first time. Maybe you're a Christian here this morning and you just feel that you really need a refreshing outpouring of the Holy Spirit on your life. Maybe you feel that you need more of the confidence that the Holy Spirit gives to be able to go and make disciples of all nations. Or maybe you need to see more of that unifying power of the Holy Spirit in your home, in your workplace or in your local community. And the good news is, is that we can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit afresh in our lives and that we can call on the Holy Spirit wherever we are. The Christian life without the Holy Spirit is like trying to drive a car, but you haven't put the keys in and turned it on the ignition. So let's not be afraid or forget to turn on the power. We are called to work in partnership with the Holy Spirit to bring God's kingdom here on earth. And God wants to speak to all of us today. So if you would like to experience an, uh, a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you'd like to receive more confidence to be able to go and tell your friends about Jesus, and you want to see more of that unifying power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, then I want to invite you to join me in this prayer that we're going to pray now. So Lord, thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for Pentecost. Lord, I pray that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit so that we can walk out in power. Wake us up, Lord Jesus, where we have spiritually fallen asleep. Refresh ourselves and ignite our hearts for you, Lord. Holy Spirit, please bring us a fresh revelation of God and help us to understand you better, to open our hearts to you. Give us confidence to go and tell the world about Jesus and help us to partner with you and your Holy Spirit in all the areas of our lives, bringing unity and peace to our households, workplaces and local communities. Lord, we just ask and receive the gift of your Holy Spirit right now, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Goodbye. Bye.